amen, amen, amen. I believe that God wants, I don't believe, I know, but God wants you to start looking at your situations through his eyes. I believe that God wants you to start hearing things through his ears. I believe that God wants you to start acting as, as he does. And once you can begin to walk on that level of faith, he said, that, that, that's the son or that's the daughter that I'm looking for that begins to operate as if it's already done. Because that's when he shows up. And he says, watch out here. Let me show you something. I do believe I have a word for you to this, uh, this afternoon. And I'm going to try to be concise. I want to be respectful of your time. So... If you take your Bibles and turn with you, Mark, book of Mark, chapter 5, Mark chapter 5. We'll be taking a look at verse 24 through 34. It's a lengthy reading, but I promise it, 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 tends, to, it tends to flow. As it says, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians that had spent all that she had. She spent it all. It was nothing better, but rather it grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, if, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned about in the press and said who touched my clothes who touched me who, who touched me and his disciples said unto him I'm paraphrasing you don't see the multitudes here thronging thee and says, thou who touched me? What do you mean who touched you? There's about 4,000 people around you right now. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things that you cannot see. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And just for a little bit of time this afternoon, I, I want to preach this message, to talk to you about this message, of having purpose in the press. Having purpose in the press. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've already done, God. And I, we're knowing that the, the chains have been already broken. The prison cells have been opened, God. And I pray right now that you take, take the words of, of my words that you've given me, God. But it's not for me. It's for your church, for your body, for the edification. Lord, will you speak through me to them, God? I pray for every, every chain that has been broken, Lord, that when we leave these doors, it would stay broken, Lord, and we would walk in the victory that you've already given us. In your precious and mighty name, Jesus' name, amen. Seated. I 
having purpose in the press. The, the herd mentality. Anybody ever heard of the herd mentality before? The herd mentality is a term used to describe a social phenomenon by which people are easily influenced by the majority. And what I mean by that is that I don't mean that they're influenced not necessarily by peer pressure or manipulation, but people in general, in general, they will change their viewpoints, they'll change their answers, they'll change their clothes, they'll, they'll change what they do to conform to the actions of what they think the majority of folks want to do. And what this does, it really begins to reinforce the fact that at the core of human beings, at the core of our existence, there's a desire to want to be like everybody else. There's a desire to want to have a common shared knowledge, a common thought, common experiences, common things that we have together. There's a desire to be social. Nobody wants to be left out. We want to be like people. Not only do we want to be like people, but we want to be liked by people. And so with that understanding, understand that whenever you see a crowd or whenever you see a, a setting where there's a lot of people, there's a high likelihood that a lot of the folks that are in there are simply there because it's what everybody else is doing. They're not there because they have any particular purpose or they have any intent. They're just simply part of the herd. They're part of the herd. That's why in social media, you know, we call, we call them followers, right? Followers. And what a follower is, a follower is, is a person that may subscribe to your content, but they don't have any intent. They may subscribe to the content, but there's no purpose for it. There's, there's nothing that they're doing. And, I, and there's been countless experiments that have actually relayed this, this type of herd mentality that there's a, natural, there's a natural way that we tend to change how we act. We change our viewpoints. We change our thoughts. We change what we'll do when we get around other people. So much so that we will do things that will defy logic. They will. They will defy logic. And I'm, I'm going to play a clip for you here. And, and I want you to take a look at this. And, and I want to reinforce this because I can preach this all day long. But until you see this in play, it will not have an impact. So you walk into an elevator and naturally you turn and face the door, right? It's just what we do without even thinking. Here on Would You Fall For That, we decided we had to pay homage to Candid Cameron. How this man tries to maintain his individuality. So right now we are reenacting their famous test of conformity. The elevator experiment. So we found a nice elevator at the Juilliard School and gathered our Would You Fall For That stuff. If we turned to face the back of the elevator, would others follow? All right. In the blue T-shirt, that is Nadia. She is an innocent passerby. Has nothing to do with this. Everybody else in that elevator, they all work for Would You Fall For That. They are all in on the experiment. They are all purposefully facing the wrong way. 
Nadia is facing the front. You can just see the back of her head wearing the blue T-shirt. That's Nadia. She is facing the front of the elevator like a normal human being. Everybody else is facing the back. We're playing this to you in real time, no editing, as it actually happened. Okay, floor two. Rebecca gets off. Emily gets on. She also works for us. We're swapping people in and out to reinforce the behavior. Emily's acting like it's the most normal. Oh, Nadia's turned. Nadia. It... Okay, her bag is slipping off her shoulder. She's nervously playing with it. Nadia's now halfway round. Will she go any further? Emily gets off. Mike gets on again. Mike works for the show. Presses his button, faces the back like it's the most normal thing in the world, like he does it every day. Nadia is really feeling the pressure right now. I'm not going to see anyone else. Isn't he on Scott's making some small talk. He was on Celebrity Rehab, I think. Oh. Yeah. She's looking towards the back of the elevator because everybody else is. Floor four. I love the guy. Fourth floor. Mike gets off. Lauren gets on. Lauren also works for us. She's in. Oh, and Nadia, Nadia, Nadia has gone. The fourth floor, Nadia has turned all the way around. She's looking at the back of the elevator. That is not normal human behavior. Nadia is looking at the back of the elevator purely because everybody else is. Okay, you've seen it in real time. Let's play that for you again in Fast Forward. Nadia, turning, 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 turn. Did you notice anything while we were standing in the elevator? We were all facing one way, and we wanted to see if one oh, person would do it. And you, you did it, yeah. So you were wondering why. Yeah. But you just went along with it without even questioning. Yeah. Social scientists refer to this as the ash. Herd mentality. That's how powerful it is when, when you will defy what you know to do properly because of the majority of which who you are around. That's the herd mentality. Solomon says that, that all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is never satisfied with seeing nor the ear with hearing. And the thing which will be is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Nothing is new. And so this principle that, that we highlighted here called the herd mentality, it's, this, is, this is a timeless, this transcends time. Even in Scripture, and we're going to take this back to Scripture, the Bible is, has always been, been talking about these things. Scripture tells us, it paints the picture in the New Testament, that Jesus was consistently followed by the crowds. He was followed by the masses, the multitudes. He was followed by people that flocked to him in that day simply because he was the hot ticket. He was the flavor of the week. Okay? But people, you know, can be fickle, can't they? People are with you one minute and they're gone the next. Okay. And he understood the nature of mankind, and he, he said this, and I, I love the way the Amplified Version puts this in John, John chapter 2, verse 23 through 24. Here's what it says. It says, many believed in his name, identifying themselves with him after seeing his signs, attesting miracles which he was doing. But, remember what I told you about that word but. Whenever you read the word but, but is a transition word. It's going in the opposite direction of the previous statement. But Jesus, for his part, did not entrust himself to them. So I'm going to give you succinctly what it's saying. They believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. Because... There's a reason. 
He knew all people and understood the superficiality and the fickleness of human nature. We're fickle. Jesus knew how people were. You're hot one minute, you're cold the next. You get on board and you leave on board. Okay, folks will lose their mind when they get around crowds, don't they? Right. And I, I, I want to believe, and, and I, I sincerely believe, and I don't want to squelch this, but everybody that was running around here had a testimony. But, but there's part of me believe that some of us maybe jumped in there, but you just saw everybody else running around, so you decided to run around too. I, I'm just being real. I just, I'm just being real. Oh, yeah. You know, this is Pied Piper, right? Yeah. And, and you know, that can explain a lot of the mess that we see in our culture today. A lot of the stuff that you see going on where you say, this stuff don't make no sense. We've been calling pronouns this, that, and the other for how many centuries upon decades, and, and now you're telling me you changed the pronoun? And isn't people with PhDs and master's degrees and doctorate degrees got to sit up there and defend this stuff? And, and, and the, but the reason of the change is because of the herd mentality. What I mean by that is it's socially become acceptable to accept certain things, and it does not matter. And this is why when you go back two weeks when Pastor Chris was pe- preaching on the absolute power of truth, this is why Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the words in season and out of season. Don't matter when they say amen or when they're throwing rocks at you. You preach the word. It doesn't matter the culture. Preach the word. Jesus' earthly ministry was different, and, and it was different from the fact that, that he not had the crowd with him, but he had the multitudes. And one of the things in King, the King James Bible, what it's going to say about the multitudes, it's going to call them the press. The press. That's the term you're going to see in the King James Version of the Bible for all the waves of people that were following him, these, these massive amounts of people. And I'm not just talking about the crowd. I'm talking about crowds. I'm talking about that, those crowds where it's shoulder to shoulder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, when you look up, it's, it's just too many people. I, I took my, my children last year to the uh, state fair in Minnesota, and I, I plan on trying to visit Wisconsin State Fair. But I, took, I take them there every year, just the time period to get to, you know, give my wife some time, put her hair down, and, and just, just be, be her. And I take all three of them, and we go, and it's, it's just daddy and the three of us. You know, we, I give them $20 each. And each of them gets $20. I try to, it's, it's a time period because I get to see people. I get life lessons. And I take them to the state fair and, and you know, you teach them something. Okay, don't, don't, don't spend all your money when we just walk in. You know, because as soon as they get in, they, hot dog. You know, no, no, wait, wait, man. There's 45 hot dog stands in here, man. Wait. Because what they'll do is they'll spin it all up. And you'll get five minutes. And it's, oh, can I, you just spent all your money. Okay, but but I I use that to teach them some principles and to, you know to look at people and, and just make observations and assessments. And, and one of the things is when you go into the state fair, can you put that next clip up? You know the people are shoulder to shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and if you don't have a purpose, 
if you don't have an intent, so, you know, if, if you see the fry stand, if you like the fries, if you see the fry stand, you have to be intentional about making your way over to the fry stand. Uh, everybody grab each other's hands. You grab solid, grab, grab your hands, and you have to be, if, if the cheesecake stand is over here, the cheesecake going to stick, and you want that, you have to be intentional and purposeful about going in this direction. If you do not, you know what's going to happen? Look at those people. You just be carried away with the crowd. You know, some of you just just fell into the dancing and fell into running around here, and it, 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 it was just you just got carried away. That that's the press. That's the press. The the the, the press was 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 in. If you if you're reading scripture, Matthew chapter thirteen verse two, the press was so thick that the Bible says that Jesus actually had to preach from a boat at one point in time because the multitudes were so many. That that's the press. The press was in in Luke chapter nineteen verse three when the Bible says that a little man by the name of Zacchaeus climbed into a sycamore tree because he was trying to see Jesus, but he could not because of his his stature and because of the press. Hear me now. What the press will do is it will it will allow you to lose your perspective. That's the press. The press will not allow you to see where Jesus is. And I'm trying to tell somebody this afternoon is Jesus was trying to make his way down to Zacchaeus and tell him, I'm coming to your house today. But because of the press, Zacchaeus could not see. And I'm trying to tell somebody in the middle of your circumstances and situations, do not let the press cause you to lose perspective. That's the press. I'm talking to somebody in here today, and maybe you say, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm short in spiritual stature. Preacher, I don't know all those, those stories from the Bible that you're talking about. I, I, I just came in here today. Somebody invited me, okay? I'm talking to you today, and I'm trying to tell you, look, the, the only intent that I have, that this preacher have, that this worship team has, is to get you to see Jesus. All I'm trying to do, all the church is about, the church is to be your sycamore tree. And all, if, if you got to put your foot on my back so you can get a better perspective of Jesus coming down the road because he wants to meet at your house, so be it. If something that's said through the preach word of God, if there's a song that stirs something up in you, that all of a sudden you get a better perspective of Jesus, okay, that's all the church is here for. But what the press will try to do is will try to take that from you. That's the press. The press is why in Mark chapter 2 verse 4 is why four friends had to tear off the roof and let their friend down because their friend needed to be healed by Jesus. That's the press. In our opening text, we find that the press is once again at play. Mark chapter 5 verse 24, it says, and when Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him, and a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and nothing bettered. But rather, it grew, it got worse. She had issue of blood for 12 years. Follow this for me now, because there's a couple layers I want to hit on this. 12 years. Some of you have been going through some situations for 12 months and already you're fed up. Some of you have been going through some situations for 12 days and you're ready to throw in the towel. 12 years this woman had this thing. And hear me now, the situation was not getting any better. Can anybody been there before? You know, we can stick some stuff out when you can see year after year that things are slowly going better. 
You can stick it out a little bit longer. But when things are going worse, I've got to believe that this woman after year 9, after year 10, after year 11, she was simply at the end of her rope. Here's the other layer here. Not only does she have this issue of blood, here's the other dynamic at play. Okay, watch this now. Leviticus chapter 15 verse 25 says this. It says, and if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanliness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Let me consolidate that. What that means is she was ostracized. She was not allowed in public. She was ceremonially deemed unclean. Unclean. It was illegal for her to be socializing with anyone else. Now, there's another component to this, okay? There's other layers to this. There's another component, okay? In biblical times, there was this mindset. This is very much underlined. But there was a mindset that if, if your life was filled with tragedy or ca- catastrophe, if your life had something wrong in it, okay, if, if something was, was off, off kilter, there was a mindset in its very underlying that there was a disconnect between you and God, that you had done something wrong, that God was mad at you. This is why if you go in John chapter 9, the Bible says that the disciples ran upon a blind man, and, and they were confused. You remember this? They were vastly confused, and what did they do? They asked the question, Jesus, they said, who hath sinned? Was it this man or was his parents? The reason they asked that question, because it's a reflection of the cultural mindset at that time, is if anything that was wrong happened in your life, it was a direct reflection that you did something something to anger God. Now, Jesus responds, he says, neither. Neither. And that's what we have to even go back to the message last week in which Pastor preached is that sometimes, whether it be inflict, self-inflicted or not self-inflicted, sometimes the catastrophes, sometimes the tragedies, sometimes the stuff that you're going through, okay, is simply a season. It's simply a season. It's not because you did anything wrong. It's not because you did anything that, that would bring upon the anger of God, but it's simply a season. Because of her physical ailment, this woman with the issue of blood would have been ostracized. She had this issue of blood. It was illegal for her to be in the crowd. And let me begin to speak to somebody in here today. Is oftentimes, here's what happens. You know what happens? Many of us have issues. And we allow our issues to keep us away from the house of God. We allow our issues to to cut off other people. Many of us have our issues, and you know what our issues do? We keep people at bay. We don't let them in. Our issues cause us to ostracize ourselves from everybody else. Our issues, okay, allow us not to accept help when there's people that want to help us. Our issues, we'll isolate ourselves because of our own issues. We will cut ourselves off from people and we'll put up walls. But watch this now, because this woman does not let her condition keep her away. Verse 27 says this. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I 
shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Read this now. Watch what this woman does. Okay. She, she, she hears of Jesus, and you know what she does? She gets right into the crowd, right into the mix, right into that press. She gets right in there with all those people, those swarms of people that are in close proximity with Jesus. But it d- doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. You know why it doesn't stop there? Because the woman was not satisfied. Hear me now. She's not satisfied being in close proximity to Jesus. What she realized, she needed a touch. And here, let me speak to somebody directly here, because there's some of you in here that you're satisfied with simply a proximity proximity of being close to Jesus. Some of you, hear me now, is sometimes, you know what, we're just satisfied with being close to Jesus. We're satisfied with having good church. We're satisfied with hearing a good message. We're satisfied with hearing a good song. We're satisfied with just being around Jesus. We're satisfied. But this woman says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not just satisfied being around the church. I want to touch. I came here for a purpose. I came here for something. Hear me now, because too often we walk through those doors and we're just satisfied showing up on a Sunday. But God is saying, look, I don't, I don't want, it's great you came in here. It's fine. It's good. That's dandy. But I came in to give somebody a touch. The reason why many of us aren't changed is because we're satisfied with proximity. That's why some of us aren't transformed. You're satisfied with coming to church. Satisfied with singing songs. Satisfied with getting, getting a feeling in here and walking out there still doing the same exact thing that you didn't done every single week. Satisfied. But in verse 30, Jesus says this. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Jesus, who, who touched me? And his disciples said unto him, <laughs> Thou seest a multitude thronging in says, who, who touched me? The disciples brushed him off and they said, Man, it's about 4,000 people here. We standing shoulder to shoulder, back to back, neck to neck. I can smell Peter's breath. And you talking about who touched me? <laughs> what do you mean, who touched me? <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you're talking about that packness right there. But here's what Jesus is communicating Jesus is communicating to them that somebody touched me not out of proximity but somebody touched me on purpose. Child of God, let me ask you this morning. Are you touching Jesus out of proximity or are you touching Jesus on purpose? What's your purpose for showing up in church today? What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Why did you get dressed? Why did you brush your teeth? Why did you press your way on down here? You could have stayed in the bed. What's your purpose? What's your purpose for being here? The primary difference between this woman with the issue of blood and some of us is that she had a purpose. The Bible says in verse 32, it says, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. I want to say this, if, if somebody, if you walked in here this, this afternoon, this is your first time here, I don't want to discourage that. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. That's right. I'm glad you're here. But, but, but our desire as a church is for you to touch Jesus. That, that's our ultimate desire. Ultimate desire is not for you to come in here and have a good, our ultimate desire is for you to meet with Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you right now. It's for you to meet your master Lord, I don't care whether there's 500 people in here or whether there's five. I need you. 
notice here what happened here. The Bible says that as soon as Jesus was touched, that he looked around and asked, who touched me? And I want you to take note. God is not looking for people that are in relation to him simply through proximity. But he's looking for somebody that walked through that door and said, I came here for a purpose. I came here for a purpose. This song used to sing, we, we, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to clap my hands. I came to stomp my feet. I came to shout for joy. I don't know what you came to do. You do you, but I, I know what I came in here. I came in here for a purpose. I came to give glory and honor to him. That's what I came for. You may came for a show. You may came to sleep. You may came to sit down and hear something that tickled you. But I came to praise the Lord. That's what I came for. The press will force you to identify what is your purpose. What is your purpose? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done, in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thine plague. Let me rein this back in. Start to close. I'm going to go through this quickly. There were, frankly, there are two things that, that, that killed Jesus. There were two primary reasons that... that that Jesus was, was killed, okay? And, and I recognize this is an oversimplification of things, so, just, so please give me some grace here, okay? But, but Jesus' ministry had, had so accelerated in Scripture, well, you're, you're going to see that he controls two things. He controls the people, and he has the power, okay? There are two religious sects at that time were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and these are the two primary sects. And what happens is, is these two religious sects, there's a point in Scripture where they realize that this thing has gotten out of control. We're going to take a look at that. Okay, the Sadducees, you have to understand both of them. They're both on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, just take a look, they're like the Democrats and Republicans. That's basically what they are. Okay, Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees were your one percenters. They were the establishment. They were the elites. Okay, they were Jewish aristocrats who had, had, had kind of wormed their way into the, 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 the priesthood and, and, and they, 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 they essentially set up shop and they ran the temple as it was, it was a racket. It was a racket. That's what it was. Okay? And they were basically bankrolling off the temple institution. That was the establishment. Now, when you talk about living in a theocracy, which is what, what Judea in, in, in the New Testament time is, a theocracy is a basically cultural government in which God rules. And when you talk about living in a theocracy, okay, since religion is the primary discipline, the individuals that are higher in the religion are the ones that have the most power. So the Sadducees, their primary purpose was power. They didn't care anything about the people. They cared about power. They were even in league. Not only were they in league with, with, with having the most power, it had gotten so bad that politically they were also in league with the Roman government. And so since they were in league with the Roman government, the people absolutely hated them. 
The Pharisees on the other end of the pendulum were the party of the people. And when you read through Scripture, what you're going to find is a majority of the clashes between Jesus was actually with the Pharisees, primarily because they were so focused on keeping their facade up for the people that they held and maintained tradition on the same par with the Scripture. And that's why Jesus used to get in there and just tear them up. He used to tear them up all the time because their tradition made no sense with the Scripture itself. So you had these two groups on opposite ends of the spectrum. They, they don't like each other. Hear me now. One party is a party of the people. The other party is a party of the power. But there gets to be a point in Scripture, and you can point blank read this. There gets to be a point in Scripture, okay, in which they realize we have a problem. We got a problem. We got a big problem. And here's what happens, okay. John chapter 11, verse 47 through 50. It says, watch this now. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? For this man doth many miracles. The Sadducees and Pharisees are now together, it says. Together. Now, when, when, when you know something is wrong when these two groups got together. When you see Trump and Biden sitting down eating, eating dinners, you know something ain't right. Step away from that situation, okay? I really believe that's how it is in real life, too, so I won't go there, though. But when you see these two parties getting together, something is not right. Here's what happened, okay? Jesus has just healed Lazarus. He's brought him back from the dead. The Bible gives us this clear explanation that when he did that, it was no longer child's play. No longer was this about walking on water. No longer was this about lepers being healed. This man brought this guy back from the dead. Now, the reason it disturbed things is because if you know anything about the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. So, so when he brings Lazarus back to dead, that completely broke the back of their theology. What they realized is that if we let this guy continue on, the Romans are going to come and get us. How, how are you going to stop a man or an army that don't nobody die? They realize that this guy has taken this thing way too far. The people had begun, and I, I told you before that the multitudes, the masses had begun to follow Jesus. And if you were on the fence at that time, once he brought Lazarus back of the dead, if you looked down the table and you saw Lazarus sitting there eating, no way were you on the fence anymore. And so the people had all of a sudden, Jesus' followers had swelled to unmeasurable, measurable amounts. The Pharisees and the Sadducees look at each other and they say, look, we got to get rid of this dude. This has gone too far, too far. Now, now, hear me now, because you, know you know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story. They, 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 they conspire, and they, 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 they get him, and they, he's arrested. He's, he's handed over to the Romans, and, and they, they, you know, the same crowds. Remember I told you about the press, they're fickle. The same crowds that were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, are, are the same crowds that yell what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Same ones that, same people that put the coats down are the same people that are saying, kill him. And, and, and from the outside perspective, you know, it, it looks bad. It looked bad. All hope looked 
like it had been lost. He, he's, he's hanging on the cross, and, and, and you can imagine he's trying to push himself up for his last breath. The, the man who raised Lazarus from the dead is now dying himself. The Bible says that the, the Sadducees stood at the foot of the cross mocking. Mary, his mother, is crying. The disciples are running. The Jewish leaders are chiding. And Satan is laughing. He saved others. But himself, he cannot save. Where's his power? You done lost power, man. You raised Lazarus. Get off the cross. And the Bible says that in that moment, everything went dark. And maybe I'm talking to somebody in this place who's saying, Preacher, I'm sitting in darkness right now. I'm talking to somebody here that says, Preacher, I'm in, I'm in a place where I don't, have any, I don't have any answers. I'm in the dark. Preacher, I feel like God is not there. I feel like he's left me. I feel like I don't have any power. And what the entire world thought when he hung on that cross is that he lost power. Let me tell you what happens in my house when the lights go out. I just go downstairs, I hit the breaker. And you know what he did? The Bible says he descended down and he took captivity captive. He led death and hell captive. And he released those prisoners. And let me tell you, in your hour, let's stand here. When you think things are dark, when you think your circumstances, <laughs> the lights, you don't know the right from you don't know the left. When you think that, look, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. When you say, I can't see my hand in front of my face. I'm here to tell somebody here, he just went downstairs to turn the power back on. He just went downstairs and hit the breaker. Somebody's got to get a hold of this right now. Is that what I want you to do is when it's dark, you need to start praising so the power comes back on. Okay? Because when I don't know about your house, but when my lights go out, I, I just say, Dad, they say, Daddy, where are you going? I'm just going downstairs. Daddy just got to hit the breaker. Your daddy just went downstairs on the cross. When they thought the power was gone, I said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I'm not dead. I just went downstairs and hit the breaker. <laughs> he came out of the ground three days later. <laughs> I, I, just, I just had to hit the breaker. That's all. <laughs> That's all I had to do. Somebody needs to get hold of the fact, okay, that, 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 that you have to have purpose in the press. Purpose in the press. We're going to open up this altar. And I don't know the situations and the circumstances in here. But I'm going to pray with you that whatever you're going through, I'm going to pray something very specific for you. I'm going to pray that in theme with this month that you learn to praise in the midst of your darkness. 
And as you're praising, as you're worshiping, what's going to happen? The light's going to come back on. The light's going to But it's going to everything in you to, you're going to have to go what you want to do. You don't want to put your head down. You act like defeated, like you don't have any hope. You're going to have to go against your natural instinct and begin to praise. This altar is open, and we're going to pray with you. I'm going to ask you the circumstances. You can share with me. You can don't share with me. But I do want to pray for you specifically that you develop that praise in the press. This altar is open.